Captain Slog, Stardate 4. Uh, <laughs> these are the voyages of Edson's Mark and Eddie as we continue to chronolog- chronologically critique Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a phrase I picked up from a wrestling podcast I listened to. Uh, <laughs> um, Mark, how, how you been? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been I've been pretty good. Uh, I went to my local library yesterday, and they were extremely. I I I don't know if I'll even be able to get across how excited they were when I asked for a <laughs> library card. <laughs> it was like if if I had you know do you remember the Macaulay Culkin film The Page Master? Uh, yes, starring I, do. I believe Sir Patrick Stewart, maybe. Yeah, I think so. It's right. Yeah. So he goes to Christopher Lloyd's library and it's it's raining, so he escapes into a library. I don't know what the... I, I, I guess the comment is kids don't read anymore, so the library is empty. Ironically delivered to us via the medium that killed books. Yeah, that happened a lot in the 80s and 90s. It was a uh, never-ending story. It was, oh, it's raining, I've hidden, book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a weirdly common plot trope. And Christopher Lloyd was like, oh my, well, come inside. We have a magic world of adventure and, and piracy and, and, and magic and fantasy and all that business. Honestly, if Christopher Lloyd had come on to Macaulay Culkin as enthusiastically as my local librarian was when I asked to sign up for my library card, I would have just gone... No, I'll leave it, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't have gone on my page master adventure. I would have just gone back out into the rain and gone home. <laughs> why did why did you get a library card? I, I imagine so you could get books. Is the <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of yeah. So I oh man, that was the other thing. Uh, so oh also I I I have a jacket. My the, the jacket I normally wear has a NASA badge on it. Oh. And the library has two, like, metal detectors to, to obviously, I guess, to detect you taking the library's equipment out so that they can do essentially nothing to stop that from happening. <laughs> but I walked in and the, the, the detectors went off and the librarian was like, oh, it must be because you brought in some space equipment. And then she tried <laughs> to launch into an extended improv routine. But... <laughs> She had the, let's say the the improv skills of a professional librarian, so it did it. It just kind of trailed off, and it was super awkward until I asked for a library card, <laughs> and then it was like I'd given her a winning scratcher. But, no, I wanted. To be, I I work from home, so I spend most of my time at home, and I, I'm all, I'm also a creative. I don't know if you can tell that from any of this shit, um, but I don't I don't write well. When I'm at home, there's too many distractions. Namely because there isn't a single square foot in my flat I'm not willing to masturbate in. <laughs> so, in order to make sure that I'm able to, to, to get my writing done properly, I, I wanted to, to go to the library. Unfortunately, in Scotland, we weren't able to sit in libraries until quite recently. Uh, so I went there and I wrote uh, three pages of a of a script today. But I no, it was probably about four actually. Closer. Yeah, nice. So I, I wanted to be productive, but also I, I now have access to Glasgow City Council's entire library of um, 
audiobooks and ebooks and things. This is just a big. Uh, we're we are sponsored this week by the Glasgow Library System. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the concepts of libraries in general. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what? I I'll do it for free. Like yeah. uh, libraries, the concept of libraries. You don't have to pay me. I will support you unequivocally. Un- <laughs> until libraries turn around and say, "Do you know what we have to? Do you know who we have to get rid of? The Jews." That's <laughs> that's like the line that libraries will have to get to before I won't support them. They are, they they are the pinnacle of humanity. Yeah, should the slogan for libraries should just be libraries? Socialism works. <laughs> Libraries have been around for ages. No, Stephen King has still got a shitload of money, right? <laughs> yeah, you can you can give stuff away for free, and it's fine. Broadly speaking, fine. Most people will still buy things because we've got simple monkey brains, and it's nice that you can like go get a nut from the library and look at it. But you want your own nuts back in your nut palace at home. So <laughs> that's right. what I call my flat, my nut palace. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I just I I, I, I like I like as well that um the the library of of Alexandria, which was cutting about what was like three thousand years ago or so. Oh yeah. And there was a fire, and we lost quite a lot of information. And people are still talking about it. That's how important <laughs> libraries are. Is that we still lament? Oh my God, what if we what if we hadn't set fire to the library of Alexandria? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Imagine if imagine... everyone in a thousand years is still talking about nine eleven. Tenor. <laughs> if you. It never makes me think. Imagine you could get a th- if I had a time machine, I'd love to go like to the burning of the library at Alexandria and just look at <laughs> stand there with the, like the people burning it and just be like from the future. You know, oh, uh, how does this play? <laughs> like in a history, go. Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't come out of it looking great. <laughs> what what you're doing is widely considered to be one of the worst things anyone has ever done. Uh, yeah. And there, and there's a couple of genocides between now and when people are saying that and this still is in the top 10 <laughs> that's going to be my i hope to never have to go on a first date ever again uh, <laughs> mainly because one i'm very happily in a very long-term relationship and two i hope she outlives me which she inevitably will uh two uh but if i ever have to go on a first date i honestly think that will be my opening sort of salvo question will be you have a time machine with enough just for one do you stop the burning of the Library of Alexandria on 9-11? Oh. See, I would argue... Here's my here's my thinking on this. Yeah. If you stop the burning of the Library of Alexandria, the timeline you've created would be so radically diff- different that 9-11 wouldn't happen. I agree. But also, if you stop 9-11, then Sam Raimi's Spider-Man isn't as good. Well, we don't know that. That's true. The Sam, Ra- the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, where a helicopter gets webbed between the two twin towers, might that might have been great. <laughs> that might have been that might have set the bar way higher than it was. Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something controversial, right? This is this is this is this is my most controversial movie opinion. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies were very very good superhero movies when we didn't know what good superhero movies were and now that we've had a lot of very good superman movies if you go back and watch them they are not particularly great i agree no 
<laughs> when I said a B, there was a question mark after that. Um, I, one and one and two definitely hold up. Uh, Spy- uh, Spider Man uh, Two is a masterpiece of yeah. superhero cinema. The, the Doc Ock awakening scene where he murders everyone in the room, and yep. the fight between uh, Spider Man and Doc Ock is great. Even though that Spider Man only wins that fight because the edit is cheap. Because there's a point where Spider Man gets thrown forwards and then lands on Doc. Like he's on top of the train, he gets flung forwards by Doc Ock, goes through a bridge, and then when he comes out the other side, he lands on Doc Ock. Yeah. Because the editors have decided that that would happen, despite the fact that the direction he was thrown means Doc Ock would be behind him. So yeah. technically, Spider Man only wins that fight because Sam Raimi wanted him to, and not because he's good at Spider Manning, uh, um, which is weak. I'm just saying it. My favourite bit in Spider-Man 2 is when a 40-year-old man looks at 32-year-old Tobey Maguire and says, <laughs> he's just a kid, no older than my son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is this, a very real problem in those movies that the entire school-age cast is... Old. Very old. Like, how old is how old is Kirsten? Like Kirsten Dunst is like the youngest person on that cast. Kirsten Dunst oh. is, I I I think Kirsten Dunst is just a, getting into her forties now. Okay, so she's probably the right age. And then you've got James, Jay, and then of course it's got the crime that Sam Raimi committed of forcing James Franco on the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that what we need now. To be fair, Sam Raimi started that, but then James Franco took the forcing himself on people <laughs> he took that all by himself it's so weird that he's Alison Bree's brother-in-law yeah it's actually kind of weird that he's Dave Franco's brother because <laughs> Dave Franco seems like a top lad I, I, I've seen Dave Franco getting interviewed I think on um, Col- it might have been Conan and one of the first things Conan asks him is like basically what the fuck is up with your brother? And Dave Franco's <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just an actor earning a crust. I'm not fucking painting naked pictures of Seth Rogen on the edge of light on the, and selling them on eBay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. but, so how, how are you doing? Uh, oh, it's, yeah. As I as I told you in our, our, our pre-chat, well, it's been a week. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm currently locked in an ongoing feud with the NHS, which I know makes me sound like a fucking Tory, um, but it's not. It's the annoying thing is at some point this might turn into a lawsuit, and I want to be able to work out whether legally, like I don't want to see the NHS, but there is this. What I'm going to say his name. His name is Mr. Jonathan Pollock. He is the head neurosurgeon at um, Queen's Hospital in Romford, oh, and he is. And he, no, I don't care. He's and he uh, <laughs> he can sue me. I'm fine, and he is incompetent. He can't do his job on a basic level, and I hope he slips and falls whilst performing brain surgery on somebody, and he stabs a scalpel into the murder centre of their brain, and they proceed to strangle him to death. Uh, If you stabbed a scalpel (laughs) into the murder centre of someone's brain, wouldn't that make them less likely to murder? It depends how you hit it. Like, if you sever it from the self-control portion of the brain, so the murder centre's free, like, I, don't, I don't know how brains work. Uh, we all definitely <laughs> have a murder centre. We, we all yeah. have a... Uh, there's a part of the, that we constantly have to have to tamp down. Every every time we're standing uh, on the tube uh, and, a, and a child is sitting down, 
You um, do not need to tell me this because this week, this whole situation has made me about. Due to the fact that I've got this tumor in my head, I'm very susceptible to like headaches. If there is a thing that can cause headaches, it will cause me headaches. So like a flickering light or like chemically smells or like loud shrill noises can like just ruin my day. But what I found out today, like what I found out over the last week is also a trigger for, for headaches, Mark. Have you ever heard of a rage headache? Because I, I have now. Uh, uh, yeah, is, of course I have. Yeah, which is the and the only way to get rid of a rage headache is to calm down. But when the source of your rage is that the doctor who is supposed to be helping you with your headaches is failing to do their job, <laughs> you end up in a feedback loop of just screaming in rage and then pain and then lying in the dark weeping and then getting angry about the fact that you're lying in the dark weeping. <laughs> And then getting another headache. So, it's been a fun week. Uh. Speaking of headaches, Star Trek Season 1, Episode 4, The Last Outpost. Yes. What the fuck is happening now? So, I think we both agree, this is not not a good episode, but, no. it's, it's, but it's definitely an interesting episode. Uh, I, I don't know if I would even go that far, no. <laughs> I, I, it has positives. It... it my first note was quality bit of Enterprise flying at the start. Calm. Collected. <laughs> Good bit of captaining from Picard. Then after that, downhill. One one thing I, I will say that I... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like at the beginning, it's like... The, so it, the, the plot is that the Ferengis, who, who have apparently been referenced, but we've never actually met them. Like, they've never... I didn't know this. I thought they were, like, from the original series. No, they were but, designed for the next generation because Roddenberry didn't want the Klingons or the Romulans to be the bad guys. Okay. And he was like, we have to create a new Federation-level threat. Okay. And then he made the Ferengis. And then after this episode, he was like, well, back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I, I do so if if you're not familiar with the Ferengis, they they are basically capitalists, and that's bad because Starfleet is socialist because Star Trek is good. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and one thing, I, one thing I do want to point out is the main Ferengi in this is played by Armin Shimmerman, who would go on to play Quark the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine, and. It is worth noting that Armin Shimmerin is a devoted union man. He's very high, like he's like an elected official in the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. So that's the kind of person that you get to play a capitalist in he, Star Trek. He actually plays a third Ferengi at one point. Does There's he? a Ferengi in between the one that he plays here and then Quark in Deep Space Nine. Fucking hell. He's just the go-to guy for Ferengis. Who do we know who really hates capitalists? And is short, because uh, <laughs> that's that's what yeah. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do the plot for this one. <laughs> okay. You you chill out. So the the, the, the Enterprise is is uh, is chasing a Ferengi ship because the Ferengis have stolen something from a a Federation planet, which is yeah. uh, I think it's I think it's a T forty something or other right yeah. fun fact just because you know 
I was explaining the plot and now I've gone on a tangent. <laughs> That's actually what a MacGuffin is. Uh, what people call MacGuffins aren't usually really MacGuffins. A MacGuffin has to specifically be something that the characters care about that the audience doesn't. Yeah, yeah. The point of a, uh, the MacGuffin also shouldn't really have any use. Because a lot of people call the Infinity Stones MacGuffins. But yeah, the Infinity that, Stones yeah. are Plot MacGuffins because they, they do an actual thing. Like, we as it, like, it looks like they, they want that because it does that. It's like the Maltese Falcon is a MacGuffin because everybody wants it. You don't know why. You assume it's valuable. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the bloodline is the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. That's, no one can really decide whether that is one or not. Anyway, so the Federation are chasing after the Ferengi, and yeah. they get they both get trapped in the force field emanating from a mysterious planet. Yeah. Neither of them, both of them think that it's the other one that's doing it to them. Yeah. And then they have to have a bit of a conference about that. And that first bit that you've said, that that is, before them working out that it's not them, is, I would say, far too much of this episode. Um. <laughs> I disagree. I think that's the only good bit. Because <laughs> I, I, I think it has some quality captaining in it. Um, it does. Particularly when Jordy says, we're slowing down, and then Picard turns around and says, hey, don't anticipate what I'm going <laughs> to tell you. Don't, don't just guess, um, which I quite like. Now, here's my here's here's my issue. So here's issue number one, and I've and I've labelled this science. Um, it, I, actually, this this plays into something you were talking about earlier with Spider Man. So the Ferengi are being the Enterprise are chasing the Ferengi at warp speed. Yeah, and then the Ferengi slow down, so the Enterprise slows down as well. But yeah. if you're chasing someone at warp speed and they drop out of warp, wouldn't it be like hitting the brakes except they're millions of miles behind you? Okay. And you'll never find them again. Yeah. So, here's the thing about warp. I don't think it makes any sense. No. It's, 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 in, in Star Trek, it's used to just mean going fast. But the, the, as far as... And I don't think it's ever been officially addressed, but I think the conceit is that... Because, okay, so, those who don't know, in the real world, this is unlikely to come up, but you can't travel faster than the speed of light. So, in Star Trek, the warp drive doesn't make you go faster than the speed of light. It bends space-time so that you're going between, like, less space so that you go faster. Which, in, like, practice should be, like, it should jump you from point to point like skipping a stone over like the sea yeah but that's but in but within the world of star trek they just go no it's just means fast yeah uh so yeah anyway bullshit yeah so, oh, no, i do want to call out one thing in this because i've been i've been quick to call bullshit on a lot of star trek of the science so far and there's a point in this uh episode where there there's a point later on where they're running out of power and picard says even in orbital space it can get to minus 200 degrees. And my immediate thought was, well, that's bullshit. All of space is equally cold. And then I thought about it a bit more, and I googled it. And it turns out I'm wrong. <laughs> because, and it's obvious, really, if you're in space and you're near a star, then that will be warmer than if you're in space and, like, in the shade. 
Yeah. So the orbit, if you're in orbit around the Earth, it swings from being like 172 degrees Celsius to minus 240 degrees Celsius, depending on which side of the Earth you are on. So the International Space Station is like superheating and supercooling itself as it gets in front of the sun and then behind the Earth. So yeah, I'm going to just say good sound science from from them there. Not a lot but, of laughs in this episode. No, but a lot of a uh, lot of science. A lot of science. And my favourite thing is in this episode, Mark. Oh yeah. My favourite thing you ever get in any episode of Star Trek has turned up in this, um, which is um, later on when they're down on the planet. There's a big space head. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love when the crew of the Enterprise come across a giant floating head made of lasers in space. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why I love that, but it's one of my favourite things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so right, so so the the Enterprise crew they they catch up on the Ferengi. They're both trapped there. They, they and Picard assumes because they've never met that the Ferengi must have the um the technology to entrap them. Yeah. So Picard says, you know, hail them, etc., etc., etc. The first time they do it, we will we'll pro. Oh, uh, also, at one point, uh, Picard just shouts engineering at no one <laughs> for no reason. And then, and then tells Riker, who's stuck, yeah, he shouts engineering as if he's hailing them, <laughs> but then says nothing. And then turns around to Riker and says, Riker, can you go and join Jordi in engineering? <laughs> as if, it's as if he can't have a thought without screaming it out loud. Right, I, I want to put it as well. There's a great moment in this of absolutely bizarre dialogue from Picard. So, <laughs> Picard says the beginning of a quote from Sun Tzu. Yeah. And Riker finishes it off. And Picard's all like, well, I'm glad to see they're still teaching Sun Tzu at the Academy. <laughs> the Art of War was published 500 years BC, right? <laughs> Does Picard think that we've taught it from that point? Right up until like ten years ago, yeah. when he left the academy, and then suddenly they were like, "Turns out the art of war, not all it's cracked up to be." More like the art of shit. <laughs> it's Picard sitting there going, "Bloody liberal arts! You can do a degree in anything these days." <laughs> so, so the 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 what what they discover, right? The, the the way that it works, the way that this problem occurs, is that the. As, as far as we know, it's the Ferengi that are doing it. So I'm going to talk yeah. as if it's the Ferengi that are doing it. So the sort of the ship is being drained of power because whatever it is that is holding them there is draining all of the power. And any time that they do anything, like try to fire a photon torpedo, the force that they are being trapped by automatically just deletes it, right? It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the equivalent of... Of, of you flipping an on switch and then someone immediately flipping it off it's it's more the equivalent mark i would say of i don't know if you're familiar with the traditional chinese finger trap um, <laughs> which which data has for some reason in this episode and he might as well have a neon sign above him with an arrow pointing at it saying metaphor <laughs> i i literally wrote down it's a good thing data brought that metaphor to this meeting Otherwise, I would never have been able to figure out how they'll solve this problem. So, the 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 idea is that this is happening. So we they send Jordy down to engineering, and fun production fact: 
This episode is the first occasion that Geordie LaForge gives a report to the bridge from the engineering section. Oh. And the producers like this image so much that from season two onward, that's specifically why he becomes chief engineer. Oh, that's 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 awesome. That's a good. That's a top fact, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so, like that. They like, that just feels right. I don't know why, but it yeah. feels right. <laughs> now, an image that doesn't quite work as well is when Riker goes down to Geordie and says. So again, it's it's kind of tech. We get a bit of techno babble, but it's pretty easy to to, to parse. He basically says. When we go, so that you find out that the the delay between turning the switch on and the force turning the switch off is say three microseconds. So he goes, Mariker goes down and says, when we press the warp button, essentially, how long does it take the warp to actually kick in? And Jordy yeah. goes about two seconds, and then Jordy starts doing some weird, like. Do you remember what it was like when your teacher in primary school tried to look cool by giving like fun, <laughs> fun thumbs up and, and calling you tiger and shit like yeah. that? Jordy does that for thirty seconds, um, yeah. acting as if it's his idea when it clearly was Riker's. And I put down that that's actually genuinely quite a cool piloting idea, but yeah. then it doesn't I've, work. No, it doesn't work. I've also got this is a period where data goes on. Data starts. Somebody sets data off, and he goes on about how much he loves flags, because <laughs> data is coded autistic. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's all I've got. Oh, that's what it is, right? So they, so they, uh, they try to explain who the Ferengi are by comparing them to Yankee traders. Yeah, the worst kind of traders. And American I'm like, yeah, traders. and I, and I wrote down, yeah, Yankee traders. That's what the writer had in mind. <laughs> So here's my question for you, because if we, we, we let's, let's not beat around the bush, the the, the the Ferengi are genuinely, if you could separate them from their culture and just have them as an image, it's a cool alien design. Yeah. Unfortunately, the alien design is best. They have large noses, big ears, and clawish hands. They look like. What Borat thinks Jews look like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're greedy, Mark, and they love gold. Now, here's my question: Did Gene Roddenberry go to like the special effects team and be like, oh, "Knock us up an alien," and then it unfortunately happened to be the worst possible design for the culture it was given, or was did he tell the special effects team we want these greedy? greedy aliens give us give us your best one and, some, and somebody was somebody down in, in in the special effects team was like yeah mine fuhrer <laughs> i wonder because obviously last week we had the the racist episode <laughs> and gene roddenberry had to fire the director who made it racist so after this episode did he have to fire someone in the special effects department and just be like can we stop fucking hiring racists and anti-semites please <laughs> Is that what? Wouldn't it be great if that's the story? If that's the actual reason why Star Trek got good, like midway through season two. It's just, it, <laughs> is it just took Gene Roddenberry that long to fire all of the bigots? <laughs> so there's an incredible exchange. I mean, it's not even an exchange because Picard basically says it to himself after they bring up the flag because they they mention red, white, and blue as as the Yankee traders. Yeah, and uh, Picard says. 
the red, white, and blue used by the Americans for the, an odious uh, flag design. Not like the French who used it in the correct order, red, white, blue. Or I can't remember. Yeah. Um. But then, uh, data data goes off at him and, and starts mentioning other flags. Picard is angry at him, and I've written down. <laughs> Data really needs to learn that Picard just needs to have a France wank every now and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think as well, I think Data doesn't know the important point because one of the very first flags he brings up in his little rant of other flags that use those colours is the Union Jack. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, like nobody's ever said, nobody's said to sit him down and just be like, look, they just don't. Look, I know this is going to seem weird, but Patrick Stewart is French. Yeah. Now, now, now. I know that what you're thinking, Data, but ignore that. And as a Frenchman, he hates the British. We, I know, I know, it doesn't make any sense, but... <laughs> Data, I know that we've programmed you to be pro-IRA, right? You've proven that on several occasions. Uh, can I say, as well, I love the fact that Picard swears in French in this episode. He says merde, which I don't think he ever does again. And it's like, um, they should have done that as a running thing. Because I don't know if you've ever watched Firefly, but they regularly do incredibly abusive swearing in Chinese. Yeah. Uh, in Mandarin. Um, but yeah, I, I would have loved if Picard was just like, ah, going in little French rants. <laughs> well, that answer, but that goes back to a question that we were asking yeah. the other week, which is, is Picard speaking French and it's just being translated? So yeah. the fact that he swears in French implies to me that he, he, taught, that he speaks English. He speaks English, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in actuality, it's if we ge- want to be genuine about the future, that we're turtling towards everybody on board this ship is speaking Mandarin, and it's being translated into English for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's, oh, some... I've, I've also I've also got written down here. What the fuck is Worf's job at this point? <laughs> what does Worf do? He's just on the bridge. He's just. Because he, he sits at the helm. Yeah. And he's regularly... Again, this is another situation where Wolf is immediately up for dying in battle, despite the fact that the situation does not call for it. I got a sneaking suspicion that you could ask somebody on the bridge to do a coffee run, and Wolf would be like, it would be an honour to die in the battle for coffee. He's like, no, just go to the vending machine, Wolf. <laughs> that, that actually comes back later, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up now. Um, so... <laughs> Later on, they face off with the giant laser space head, yeah. And uh, he 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 mentions he he sort of implies that they're going to have to have a fight to the death. And Worf is on the planet, and and Riker somewhat volunteers, and then Worf says, "No, for battle, come to me." <laughs> Worf yet again being turned down by the one thing he's not only useful for but actually enjoys doing. <laughs> It's 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 amazing how we are, we are, yeah, we are four episodes in, and the first one's a two-parter, and the big Klingon guy has yet to throw a punch. He um, does get a bit of a fight in this one. He throws two of those uh, uh, Ferengi like yeah, around he, in a weird circle move. Yeah, he does. One well, one thing I want to bring up about this because like, when they eventually talk to the Ferengi, like it's quite a long way into the episode that you get the reveal of what the Ferengi look like. And they turn up on the view screen, right? And they've just got like a white background, and he's much bigger than like normally you get like a view of the bridge yeah. from like a, a sensibly placed camera. But he's like much bigger, and he's like has 
Is that... Who... Is it him? Like, whose job is that? Do you get to decide how big you appear on somebody else's screen? I think it's more just, like, a gran who can't use Zoom. Like, I think there's a deleted scene in this episode, because the, the, the point... So, what happens is that the, the Enterprise are, like, hail frequencies, hail, hail the Ferengi, we have to see you visually, it's part of our, you know... We want to know um, what you look like. We want we want to know what you look like. <laughs> is there a deleted scene where it cuts to the to the Ferengi and all you see is just like uh, from from the from the mouth down, uh, and then the Ferengi going, "How the fuck? How did I get this to? Do, do I stand up?" <laughs> the, the first time you click over, that actually just shows the Enterprise because they've got the other camera on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the card going, "No, just if you go down the bottom, there's a button that says flip." Yeah. No, not that one. <laughs> no, now you've muted it's, yourself. It's two arrows. It's two the two arrows. It'll be at yeah. the bottom. But um so, oh, oh so that here's a here's a here's an issue, right, that I have. Um which is uh what, what so he right, so so Picard thinks that the Ferengi are uh they have trapped them. They don't realise yeah. it's the planet that's done it yet, right? They think the yeah. Ferengi just have advanced technology. So Picard hails the Ferengi and talks about a surrender, which they've gone into conference and decided we are going to have to surrender. It's just yeah. what we, we we're, it's the only yeah. way we're going to uh, make it out of this. I want to bring up something about that going into conference because what happens is Picard says, okay, we need to make a decision. Let's go to the conference room, which is the room next door to the bridge. And then literally everyone who's on the bridge leaves and goes into that room. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact they could have stayed where they are and had the conversations, there's like they leave behind. There's like three guys left behind at like the things, and I imagine how angry you are. It's like, well, you know, I'd like to be included. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they, they decide to surrender. So they hail the they hail the Ferengi, and uh, they say, you know, we we've decided. They, they use the word surrender, and in the Ferengi, in a, in a comical, hijinksy mishap, think that they are being told to surrender. So they, yeah. they then say, unconditional surrender is unacceptable. Yeah. There have to be conditions if we are going to be the ones surrendering. Picard then... T- they, refer, they refer to the Ferengi code, and as somebody who's watched all of Deep Space Nine, the Ferengis don't have a code. They have a book that's their sacred text, which is known as the Rules of Acquisition. <laughs> and it's one of my favourite things in Star Trek. It has such great rules as I think, like Rule Eighty One: War is good for business. Rule Eighty Two: Peace is good for business. <laughs> uh, there's an entire, there's an entire, there's, there's, there's literally one of the rules is you'll never go out of business selling weapons. Mm. <laughs> so we get this sort of mishap. Uh, the Ferengi captain says we we are willing to surrender. Picard then turns around to Tasha Yar. Gives her the cut off the cut off the feed gesture, yeah. Um, and then my question is, uh, and they they literally have to change frequencies away from the one that they're on, right? Yeah. My question is, why doesn't the frequency healer just have a mute button? <laughs> because the thing is, if you cut off that frequency, you're also cutting off from the other side. So what if yeah. the other Fereng- what if the Ferengi guy's still talking? <laughs> <laughs> and you missed some pretty fucking vital information because yeah. you don't have a mute button, which is something we we had yeah. then. Yeah, it's, it's, on this phones. Is a, yeah, just reach over and press the button on the. Yeah, it's 
there's, I'd also like to say this scene has one of my all-time favourite things in science fiction in it, which is that the Ferengis refer to the humans as human. <laughs> now, what I like about that, Mark, is that we, the human race, have yet to meet any alien life. But we have already decided what we're going to get annoyed if they call us. <laughs> <laughs> we have come up with a uh, the, if, they, if, they, if we meet the aliens and they call us human uh, we're going to fucking fight <laughs> going to genocide the fuck out of you <laughs> so um, they, they then they, after all this goes down they, 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 they discover that the, the power surge thing is actually coming from the planet so once, so once again, everyone on the bridge goes to the conference room. Yeah, and it is important again to note before this as well that so far, every time the Ferengis have appeared on screen and seen the humans, the first thing they have done is comment on the fact that they think humans are fuck ugly. I, <laughs> it's, it's important enough that they lead every conversation with it, so I felt we should mention it. Yeah. But apparently Ferengis don't like the way we look. And it's it's not even a, it's it's literally they 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 come up with a viewfinder that they go. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they go back to the conference room and there are two kids in there playing with the little statues. Riker, uh, I've put down Riker once again failing at his babysitting job with the two kids in the conference room. He runs in and and he calls them by name and tells them to get out before the captain comes. How did the kids get there? First of all. <laughs> And second of all, the fact that Riker knows their names means that he has at least hung out with them a bit. <laughs> he can identify those children by sight. Or, you say that, is it the creepier option that like, of an evening, as part of his, he's been given this job by Picard. So he's sat there with like flashcards. It's like <laughs> Troy's holding them up for him. Of yeah. every child on board the Enterprise with a name and like some basic facts. And also likes and dislikes. <laughs> kinks and limits <laughs> like Todd strongly dislikes mustard uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he, and then he also uh, when he uh, when he chases them out he says boys will be boys so I'm glad that that excuse is still flying in the 23rd <laughs> century and I'm glad I'm glad it comes from Riker the man most likely to be reported to HR <laughs> <laughs> oh no wouldn't be called HR would it Human resources. Human resources. No, no, it'd be sentient being re- SBR. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would it be? Uh, team team resources. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't you can't report wharf to human resources. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not going. Yeah. What's Klingon resources? It's just a it's just a room with a with a turkey leg in it and a butt punching back. <laughs> a guillotine. <laughs> so they they decide to beam down. Yeah. And they beam down onto the one of the worst Star Trek sets in existence. Like it's so cheap. It's obviously in a. It's it's like fog on the ground. Everything is made of crystals. Um, uh, I've got in my notes here. Riker takes a moment to survey the deeply unimpressive vista. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and they they all arrive separately. So so uh, Tasha. Riker, Data, and Worf, and LaForge. And, yeah, all beam down. They all beam and down. We're with Riker, and he appears on his own. And then he finds Data. And then my, my favourite bit in the whole episode happens. They find LaForge, 
who, in the process of being beamed down, has like caught himself on a rock formation and is now hanging upside down, right? And Jordi, sorry, Riker asks Jordi if he's conscious and he replies, do I look conscious? Which I said <laughs> is fucking bold from a guy whose eyes we can't see and who isn't moving or speaking. That's like someone <laughs> pretending to be asleep, giving you grief for not being able to tell they're awake. Does he's Jordi, also his fucking superior officer? This is this is a question that doesn't just relate to Geordie, but relates to blind people in general. Do the blind close their eyes to sleep? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because Eddie, have you ever tried to just not blink? <laughs> That's a fair point. Do you know what uh, it does? Hurts. <laughs> Fuck it hurts. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 upside down because he's and his foot has materialised in the rock, which, which is, is is a danger that doesn't come up again. It doesn't come up again. Nobody ever beams down the wrong way up ever again. No. Nah. Um. Okay. I, I I saw a little sketch online that pointed out the reason all the ships are the right way up. In, in Star Trek and it's it's because of this if your ships aren't all the right way up if you beam over you'll be sideways <laughs> huh. uh, yeah and that's why the Borg have the best tactical advantage because they can be any way up because they're just in a cube huh. uh, but um, yeah and also uh, Data is using slang now because he's asked yeah. about the crystals and he says they're nothing to write home about um, and then Riker gives him a, a bit of a fucking side look gives them some from side, some side eye yeah um which i will say it, it, it it's getting quite annoying how much Riker seems to not like data right or oh, how much he seems to be puzzled by data i, I want to point out that Riker has also said in this episode they've they this is first contact with the ferengi and Riker has said he doesn't like the look of them and he already distrusts them which yeah. is just another Riker as a met an alien race, and so let's run through this. Riker is called black people devious in the previous episode. He doesn't yep. like the look of the Ferengis, and he's told Data to his face that he thinks he's weird in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> the the stack of evidence because I, I when he said that I wrote it down, like wrote a note down, and and I was watching this episode with my girlfriend Emma, and she she said to me, "Why are you writing that down?" And I said. We're building quite a case against Reich. <laughs> <laughs> Later on in the episode, uh, when the crew and the Ferengi get into a fight, Riker yeah. gets punched by one of the Ferengi, and, and Data, who's holding one up completely <laughs> effortlessly, gives him a fuck you look yeah, he at does. Riker. <laughs> yeah. I, my notes for the fight, literally... So they're fighting. The thunder is hurting the Ferengi's ears because they've got big ears and there's thunder on this planet. But I've just got as well, the, my data notes for the fight are just Worf and Data kick ass. Riker is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then Tasha turns up with a gun. Also, I want to say this. The Ferengi's have got really cool, like, laser whips instead Dil of... Or the dildos. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a whip and they go, like, whip it and, like, like energy sparks off of it, which is... Um. Yeah, I, I just thought it which was cool. is highly unpractical, and and yeah. they they do like, that was they legit look like giant dildos. Yeah, because they're also, like they're like girthy. Also, right, and veiny. So, um, they they mentioned because Tasha turns up with a, uh, a thing uh, with the phaser at some point. The Ferengis mentioned that women Ferengi women aren't allowed to wear clothes. Now, this here 
Okay, I'm I'm going to put forward what a genuine issue I've always had with the Ferengi because this is a carried over like into Deep Space Nine. They have a deeply misogynistic society in which um, women aren't allowed to wear clothes and are treated as property. Um, but if you are an entirely capitalistically minded society and all you care about is money, surely you would just see women as more workers and customers. Like if because because we live in a capitalist society that has other issues running through it, we live, but they are supposed to be a fundamentally only all they care about is money. They don't have any views or values beyond cash. Yeah. So it would seem to me that like somebody needs to sit down and is like, look, once you get women in clothes, you can sell women clothes. Yeah. Have you uh, not heard <laughs> of the ancient earth uh, proverb, "Bitches be shopping." <laughs> Oh, oh, can, oh, can we, can I we, think it can was we, Sun Tzu who wrote that. <laughs> can we discuss what's happening back on the ship at this point? Because, like, so the ship's still being drained of energy at this point, while like the Ferengis and stuff are having their fight. And whilst it's being drained of energy, life support's going out, and Wesley isn't there, thank God. And Crusher and Picard have a fucking conversation that needs to be addressed. Oh, I yeah, I love this. So you go on. So. Picard asks Crusher where Wesley is, and she says, oh, he's back in our quarters in bed. And she goes, I thought so, about... So, just, sorry, just to set something up. So the life support is going out, and their base, if it continues, they're all going to freeze to death. Yeah. Gene gonna... Rod- and, a, and a ship full of frozen women. <laughs> Gene Roddenberry is just going to... He's going to hit the ceiling. Yeah, it's... it's how, this He's been freezing people... It's excessive. We're four episodes in, and it's been in three of them. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, but Crush is like, oh, I nearly sedated Wesley. So that's like, oh, if we do die, it would be at least painless. He'd be asleep when he froze. And Picard replies, he has the right to meet death awake. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions about that worldview. And this, and, and furthermore, this only for me raises further questions about the as yet undisclosed circumstances of the death of Beverly Crusher's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he kept drifting off, and Picard was just slapping him in the face, and he and 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 uh, the original Crusher, Mister Crusher, was like, "Oh, are you trying to keep me alive?" And he's like, "No, I'm just trying to keep you awake so that you get to experience this in full." And the last, the last words, the last words he heard, as he drifted off, completely awake and conscious, facing the eternal light of death, was Picard leaning into his ear and going, "I think your wife's fit." <laughs> and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna be cold and standoffish to your son. Uh... <laughs> He's my son now. <laughs> Um, but yeah. Anyway, back down the planet. Big spacehead. Like I said, my favourite thing in Star Trek. Turns up, knocks everyone's guns out, gives a big oh, the big spacehead speech. Everyone's like, oh, it's a big spacehead. And like Riker's like, big spaceheads are like day two at the academy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how much? How weird is fucking Starfleet Academy? Do you reckon? Like day one is here's what to do. Uh, first of all, here's how to check whether you're trapped in a simulation. 
uh, is what you do. Like, I think, imagine the first two weeks. Day three, Sun Tzu. Well, it used to be Sun Tzu. <laughs> we don't do it anymore. We discovered it was irrelevant. I imagine the first two weeks of um, of Starfleet Academy are just weeding out all the Romulan spies. Uh, <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, Big Spacer turns up and they're like, Riker has to explain, like, oh, you're the last outpost of a, an empire that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and the Ferengis are like, yeah, and they're here to steal all your shit. Uh, I, I, I quite admire the speed with which the character, I've, I've only got his name down as Not Quark, because it's Harvard Shimmeron, <laughs> tries to throw the humans under the bus here. And they bring up one of their views, and it's amazing. Apparently the reason you can tell the humans are the bad guys is because they've got the comm badges on, which is are made of gold, and it's a waste of the precious material. And also, they've got clothed women who, by being clothed, are just inviting people to commit the perversion of undressing them. <laughs> <laughs> and and Data's response to this is to, um, broadly speaking, a- agree with the Ferengi? And be like, oh yeah, no, Starfleet's let civilizations fall. Um, yeah. yeah, we've done shit like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't get involved we've, loads of... We've let the strong and violent take over the weak. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, on, a, on occasion. It's like you, it's like somebody needs to sit data down and be like, right, you don't have to lie, but like there's information you don't have to offer up immediately. Like, ugh. uh, um, so so this so the, then it, it turns out that the, the guy was just testing them all, mm-hmm. and it, he had uh, no no uh, he he then he then asks. Uh, Riker, do do you want me to just kill the Ferengi for you? And Riker's like, nah, leave it. Yeah, leave leave it, mate. It's not it's not worth it. Just let us go. Now the thing is, my question is, because that because that guy, he's called I think he's called the Guardian. Yeah, and he has he has massive power. Like he is able to conjure a space force that is able to 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 really get to the core of Gene Roddenberry's fetish for frozen women. <laughs> And to to make that a reality in a way that Gene Roddenberry couldn't even have imagined until this this episode. Yeah. But what happens now? Do they do they? Because he says, "Oh, I'm going to go back to sleep until I'm needed again." But do they do the Federation go back and wake him up and say, "Excuse me, can we get some <laughs> of your technology? Like, can you teach us how you do all that stuff? Because you know how that your empire is dead and there's literally nothing left for you to do anymore." Yeah, I- do you want what? to come and help us? We'll tell you more about Sun Tzu. What does he think? That's what, like. What does he think he's going to be needed for again in future? Is like, oh, if I sleep long enough, my empire will reappear. It's yeah. also they, they say that this this empire is like spread out across the like they they, they trillions said it was spread out of people, the, trillions of people. But it was destroyed by a supernova. Yeah, which could only possibly destroy one solar system, surely, and if it. And if this, if basically, if this planet was in the solar system that they, they were all in, then it would be gone. Yeah. And if it's if they had multiple sparse systems, then the supernova wouldn't. What? It's fucking odd. It's weird. Although yeah, this is one thing you don't really get in Star Trek. So like we know that the Federation's relatively new because we've seen like well because we know it's happened between now and when Star Trek happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. And the Vulcans have been like around for a, a bit with like warp drives, but I don't know how long they've been in space for. But you don't—they never like run into like, 
Oh, yeah, our, our civilization's the last remnants of the other spacefaring civilization from several million years ago. Because I, ages ago, I got quite interested in this, like, concept. Like, I, 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 I was, like, I looked into, like, how early into the birth of the universe could, like, a civilization have happened. Yeah. And so, to get all the elements you need for life, you'd need to get the first, like, the first lifespan of the stars. Because you need a bunch of stars to blow up and spray all the stuff out. But basically, the universe is, like, 14 billion years old. And you could have had life in the universe about 500 million years into the universe existing. So there could be, like, like these guys, this civilization might be real fucking old. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go back to sleep. It's like, what the fuck? There's new shit now, man. Like, come check it out. Go on a bit of holiday. Have some time off. You've been asleep for fucking ages. He's gone to... Basically, this bike has slept for thousands, if not millions of years. And his response to that is to hit snooze. Uh- <laughs> yeah. And, and instead, instead, Riker should have gone, if you like porn, wait till you see this fucking holodeck thing that we have. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got the for all of my notes for the end of the episode. It's just in a little bit. Is it's Worf is clearly annoyed when they're back on the ship that he's not dead, um, <laughs> and then Riker beams over a bunch of finger traps to the Ferengi as a gift. Yep, it's, it's very funny because they'll get they'll get trapped. Is this the first make it so? Because Riker Ooh. suggests it, and then Picard tells him to make it so. Is this the first one? It's not the first engage. It's not the, the first engagement, but I, I don't recall there being a make it so so far. No, so, I think we've, so we've had we've had the first engage, the first make it so, the first Geordie reporting in from from uh, engineering, and we've had the the yellow and black hollow deck all turn up by now. Yeah, yeah. What we what haven't we had? We haven't had a shuttle yet. Nope. No, we haven't. Had, we do. We also. I think this is. Was this the first full? beam down like where there's like five people on the pads and it's yeah yeah so yeah uh, we haven't had a not shit episode yet <laughs> no we haven't the next um, one's quite wesley heavy i remember this one quite specifically but I, I, I think it's good this 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 like i said this episode wasn't as bad as i was expecting it to be it wasn't as bad as i remember i remember there being a lot more stuff on the planet but re- in reality, that's only like the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, weirdly, the the Ferengi, whilst they are later to be more defined as being very greedy and very capitalistic, because they're kind of just the the figure, like they've got like the outlines of what they want the Ferengi to be here. It doesn't didn't come across as immediately anti-Semitic as I was thinking it was going to. Yeah, same here. Yeah, because it, like they 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 weren't so money obsessed. And scheming and conniving as they appear in later episodes, um, but yeah, I just yeah. So, what was your questions to? If it, is it a good episode of Star Trek? Does it ask a big question? Does it ask a big question? Does it have quality captaining or it tactics? Has... It does have yeah. some fucking great captaining. Yeah, it and does some have good some tactics. great tactics. Yeah, because when he clocks that they think he's asking them to surrender. Yeah. Picard immediately goes into bluff mode and is like, yeah. "Oh no, yep, yep, that, that's us. We we did that. Yep, yep, uh, yep that's us." Uh, um, I can't remember what the third one was. I'll need to go back and relate and add. Uh, for me, it's got a big space head. So it's got yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, got a big space head. Uh, does it ask a big question? Not really. Not really. It's more. This episode's more doing that thing that you have to do in early part of your Star Trek series where you're like, 
what is the ideals of the Federation and how do they compare to the ideals? Basically, it's, it's the episode where we go, let's shit on capitalism. Because yeah. Gene Roddenberry didn't think capitalism was a good idea. <laughs> um, no. because, probably because they cancelled Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fine. It wasn't yeah. very good. Yeah. It certainly well, exists. It, it is if it, if you want to watch an episode of Star Trek, this is certainly one. It's yep, one hundred percent. Cannot disagree with that. And yeah, it's not. I think uh, this is the problem. How fucked up is our view of what is good Star Trek at the moment? Because yeah. we're off the back of the Naked Now, and the episode that is just colloquially referred to as the racist episode. Our <laughs> <laughs> like, bar's pretty low. We're going to have our mind blown. When we get to Measure of a Man, we're going to have a three-hour podcast where we just suck Picard's dick. And also, <laughs> if we do this one at a time, it's going to take us a year to even get to the start of season two. <sighs> what? No, that's not right. Half a year. There's 22 episodes a season. Oh, no, you're right. I can't. I'm not very good at counting. Yeah. But we want to get season three's when like it's all bangers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Hope you enjoyed right. that. Listening to that. Yeah. We better I get back we to were work. More entertaining than the episode was. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.